we're starting a series called Witness to Glory, and it really is leading us into the Christmas season, and it's talking about the witnesses that saw God's glory as he begins the plan of salvation. The birth of the Lord Jesus was the beginning of the plan of salvation of mankind. And God had this plan in place hundreds, thousands of years earlier. And in order to introduce this message, I need to do a little background. So follow with me in a little background. The nation of Israel was in great apostasy, great falling away. They had abandoned God and were going after foreign gods. They were chasing the gods of the nations around them. They had abandoned Jehovah God. And God sent prophet after prophet after prophet and warned them, if you don't turn and repent, God said, I would bring in foreign nations will come in and overtake your nation and you will be devastated. Turn and repent over and over and over. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, the prophets would prophesy and still the hearts of people, God's people hardened and they refused to turn. And there's an interesting prophet, Amos. He spoke this word. He's about, his timing is about 475 B.C. Now, they were overtaken by the Babylonians around 500 B.C. Just like God warned, they were overtaken. And all their treasures from Jerusalem were taken back to Babylon. And many captives were taken into Babylon. But you know the amazing thing? Even though they were overtaken, even though they were conquered, they still didn't turn their hearts back to God. They still continued to walk away from God. And Amos said this in chapter 8, verse 11. Look at this verse. It says this. The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. God is warning them. He is saying, now, they had already already been overtaken. They had already been conquered. Their nation had been ransacked. The temple had been devastated. But now God sends a new warning through Amos in 475 B.C. He says, if you don't turn and repent, I'm going to send a famine. Not like a famine of bread and water, but a famine of hearing the words of God. You see, God has been speaking to his people for thousands of years. God has been speaking through the prophets for thousands of years. And they heard the word of the Lord. But now God is saying, if you don't turn, I'm going to close off. And God has said, I'm about to go silent on you. And so we have what we call the Dark Ages. About 450 B.C., the last prophet in the Old Testament, Malachi. He's the last prophet. And after Malachi, there's a deathly silence. No more prophets. 
God does not speak. No more angels. No more visitation. Nothing. Absolute silence. And I want you to catch the last two verses that Malachi spoke. It's going to be important as we enter into this series. Let's look at the last two verses Malachi spoke. This is in chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Last part. Look. I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, in other words, if he didn't do this, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Those are the last words God said to his people, and then it went quiet. Some say 400 years, some say 450 years. Either way, silence. No prophets, nothing. And then one day, it was a dark land. Everybody was doing, you can imagine, no prophets, no voice of God, no revelation, no angels, no nothing. You can imagine, everybody's doing whatever they wanted to do. It was a dark land. Darkness covered the face of the earth. And then light. Then God began to speak. And here's the interesting thing. I'm going to share with you this morning the first four witnesses to God's glory. These first four witnesses were the beginnings of of God opening the door to Jesus being born and mankind having salvation. But it's interesting how God reveals himself to these first four. The first was a man named Zechariah. Now, Zechariah was just a priest. They were going about their daily duties. They were continuing. Some of them were still doing what they were doing in obedience to God. And here's the amazing thing. God shows up and sends Gabriel to Zechariah while Zechariah is in the holy place, not the holy of holies. He's in the holy place. And it says that he is tending to the altar of incense. And as he's doing that, this angel, Gabriel, just appears right there. That would be scary. Let's look at it. It's kind of amazing, especially what he said. Remember what God said to Malachi. Now let's look what God says to Zechariah. Here we go. It's in the book of Luke chapter 1. We do have that. We don't have it. All right, I've got it. It's in Luke 1 verse 11. It says this, and if you have your Bibles, I don't know if he lost it up there or what, but anyway, I've got it. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Verse 12, Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, oh, there we go. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Interesting. 
and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. Now watch this verse 17. Remember what Malachi said and look at verse 17. He will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. Remember what God said? He said Elijah would come. So this is a fulfillment of that. Now look what he says. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who were rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Do you see how that ties into what God said through Malachi? It just shows you the continuity of God's heart. God speaks that through Malachi. He will turn the heart. He will come in the power of Elijah. And then he will turn the hearts of the people, the hearts of the fathers to their children and the children to their fathers. There, there will be repentance. And then there's 400 years of silence. And then God speaks up again 400 years later. And what does he say? He says exactly the same thing that he said 400 years ago. And he speaks to a man named Zechariah. And, of course, what's interesting is, you know, Zechariah, he doesn't respond real well. <laughs> he just kind of says, how could this possibly be? You know, how could this possibly be? Uh, I don't see how it could be. And so he doesn't believe God can do. He doesn't believe his wife, Elizabeth, can get pregnant. Because it says she's old. How's God going to do this? And because he did not believe the word of the Lord, Gabriel says to him, because you didn't believe, you are going to remain silent. And you're not going to be able to speak a word until the child is born. It's kind of like, hey, you wouldn't believe me? I'm going to shut you up. And you're not going to be able to say a word. And that's true. He was not able to speak until the day his son was born. So that's the first witness to his glory. The beginning of everything. The visit of the angel to Zechariah, the priest. Next, we have a young girl. Her name is Mary. She's a virgin. She is engaged to a young man named Joseph. But they hadn't gotten married yet, just engaged. They call it betrothed. It's basically the same thing as engaged. And now God sends the same angel, Gabriel, to this young lady. And I want you to see the picture of what happens. Kind of interesting. Here it is in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, To a virgin named Mary, she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. 
His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Wow, what a, what a word to her. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Remember, that was the prophecy to Zechariah. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son as she's now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Hallelujah. I love that. Mary responded. I love her response. She did better than Zechariah. <laughs> I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. She is the second witness to God's glory. The plan that has been in place from the beginning of time is now beginning to unfold. First, Gabriel speaks to Zechariah. Now, Gabriel speaks to Mary. And the next witness to God's glory is interesting because now we pick up the story with Elizabeth. She's Zachariah's wife, the barren woman, it says, and she was old. But I love this part. This is an interest. He doesn't send an angel. Look look what happened. This is in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 39. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And obviously, her child was too filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember what God said, the prophetic word? He would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. So God is fulfilling that. I want to tell you, Mary just walks in and says, hello. And they're both filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful hello. That's the most powerful hello in all of history. The baby leaped within her womb. And they were both filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, look what Elizabeth says. Now, she's filled with the Holy Spirit, so she now has revelation knowledge. So look, and Mary hasn't explained. He, she hasn't said, oh, listen, I've got to tell you about this angel that came and visited me. And she hasn't said any of this. All she's done is a greeting. So this is what happened. Look with this. Verse 42. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Now, remember, she's just been pregnant a few days. So it's not like she's got a baby bump. Right? So how does, how does Elizabeth know she's with child? She's filled with the Holy Spirit. She has revelation knowledge. Now look, listen, in that, why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? She declares the baby within Mary is her Lord. 
Wow. I mean, who could do that except the Holy Spirit to show her? She recognizes that the baby in Mary is the Messiah, her Lord, the the promised Messiah. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Now, here's another thing. She knows that she shouldn't have known. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. That what Mary said? She said, whatever he wants to do, may it come to pass. In other words, she believed God. And Elizabeth knows this without Mary ever saying a word. All she's done so far is, hello. It just shows you. Now, it wasn't Gabriel that visited Elizabeth. It was Jesus in the womb of Mary that is the, is the visitation to Elizabeth. She's six months pregnant. And if you read the full story back there in Luke, it tells us that after she gets pregnant, she goes into seclusion. She hides. She doesn't tell anybody. Uh, she's probably shocked. First of all, she's older. We don't know exactly how old, but she's old enough beyond uh, childbearing age. So she's, it says she went to seclusion. So nobody knows she's pregnant. But who does know? Mary. And how does she know? The angel told her, your cousin Elizabeth is with child and she was old and unable to have children. Nothing is impossible with God. And that was to give faith to Mary. That was to encourage her. And it says that she went after a few days. Just a few days after the angel visits Mary, a few days later, she's headed to go see Elizabeth. I think, you know, it's hard to know what happened in those few days. Maybe she told her, Mom, Mom, listen, I have news for you. The Holy Spirit appeared to me. Uh, the, uh, an angel appeared to me and told me I'm going to have a child, but, but I don't know a man, so I'm going to be a virgin, but it's going to be the Son of God, and I'm going to be pregnant. And, Mom, aren't you excited? It probably didn't go well. So she headed to the hill country to go see somebody who would understand and would bear witness with her. He's going to go to Elizabeth, who the angel told her was miraculously pregnant. And then it says, if you continue to read it, it says she stays there three months. So since Elizabeth was six months pregnant, she stays three more months, so she probably stays till the birth of John. And then it says she goes back. So now we have the last of the four witnesses. And that's Joseph. And it's kind of interesting to me. The two men didn't handle it real well. The two women handled it great. Can I say something? Men, are, we're kind of stubborn and a little thick-headed and got to believe and understand and rationalize and under... You know, we got to be factual-minded here. And, and But both Elizabeth and Mary sensed God and believed God. So let's see what happened to Matthew. And here's the interesting thing. Luke doesn't really talk about Joseph. We have to go back to the book of Matthew 
to find what it says, how Joseph handled this. Now, this is what I'm guessing, and I know I'm kind of, it doesn't give all the details here. But I'm guessing that after the angel visited her and told her what's about to happen and then overshadowed her, it says after a few days, she went to see Elizabeth. So I'm thinking, did she tell Joseph in those few days? I'm thinking no. She could have, but I'm thinking no. She wants to go see Elizabeth. But now she comes back three months later. Now she can't help but tell Joseph because things are beginning to show. And Joseph is not real happy. So let's read it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, technically, he could have done it publicly and in a technical sense, according to Deuteronomy, she could have been stoned to death for infidelity. But he wants to keep it quiet. He loves her. Just, I'm going to put this away. We're going to do it quietly. But look what happens. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. So he's asleep. He probably needed to be asleep. Joseph, son of David. Interesting title. Referring again to the lineage of King David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. I'm sure she told him that, but he didn't believe it. For she, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message to his prophet, look, The virgin shall conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. First four witnesses to God's glory. Now, was that that the beginning? No, not really. If you think about it, God had been speaking about the birth of the Messiah for thousands of years. Because as you go through the scriptures, the prophetic announcement that Jesus, that a Messiah would be born. And just to briefly show you, remind you, there were seven major prophecies about how Jesus, the Messiah, would be born. In Numbers 24, it says God would bring him out of Egypt. In First Kings chapter four verse thirty, uh, and and Second Samuel seven sixteen, it says that your kingdom, your house, uh, would be established forever, and your kingdom would be established forever. Therefore, meaning he's going to come from the lineage of David. Uh, the third thing it says that he would be called a Nazarite. 
You can see that in Judges 13, 5. Fourth thing, and that is God said he would be born in great weeping because they're children. They are no more. And you know that refers to how the children were killed there uh, where he was born. And the fifth thing, God said he would be born of a virgin. We just quoted that in Isaiah 7, 14. The sixth thing, God said that Gentiles would come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. In other words, that star that would announce his coming. And the seventh thing, it says that the ruler of Israel would be born in Bethlehem. So God even pinpointed where he would be born. So those are seven major prophecies. But understand, there were literally over a hundred prophecies about the birth of Jesus. Minor references to different things. Those are ones that we know for sure that he fulfilled. So these first four witnesses to God's glory witnessed God at work. And and I want us to look and say, okay, what does that say to you and I? What is God saying to you? Well, the very first thing I see here, and that is God does amazing things through normal people. How many of you would say that you're fairly normal? Okay, now, if you didn't raise your hand, what what are you? That's what I want to know. Abnormal? Okay, well, I'll say it this way. God uses normal and abnormal people. God even uses weirdos, strange people. God uses all of us. And I want to declare to you, God has a plan for your life, and your plan is important to his kingdom. God has a plan for your life, and every plan is important to the kingdom of God. I don't care who you are. You may think, who, me? Listen, these were normal people going about their normal everyday life. It wasn't like they were, they said, oh, an angel's going to visit me today. No, they just went to work. They just did what they needed to do. Normal people. And I want to say to you, God wants to use you. You know, one of the things I love about our church is that we try to encourage people to find the plan that God has for their life and then do it. Get after it. Be the person God has called you to be and impact the kingdom of God the way God wants to use you. God has a way of using you for his kingdom. Now, Mary and uh, Joseph, what was their calling? Raise their kid. So what is his calling to some of you? Raise your children. Let your children be who they were created to be. And encourage them to walk in the ways of the Lord. Same thing for uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah. Raise their child, John. And he became a great man of God. You see, he uses normal people. He's not looking for people who think they're great. So God will use them. He's just looking for us. And then the second thing that I see, and that is that he 
He requires obedience. Obedience. That's the one thing I see in all four of these first four witnesses. They lived a life of obedience. Now, I just want to say this very simply. It is not just a one-time obedience, but it's a life of obedience that prepares us to hear the word of the Lord and hear the plan of God for our life. And it's in the simple things of our life that we learn to be obedient. I see lots of people today, they want to do these great things for God. They want to have a great ministry. They want to do all these wonderful, amazing, great things. But then they can't seem to handle being nice to their wife. They can't even seem to be nice to their kids. They can't even figure out that it's a good thing to pay their bills on time. But they're wanting a great ministry. And I say... You learn how to hear the voice of God and you find out God's plan for your life where you learn to be obedient in the simple, normal, everyday things of life. Love your wife. Love your husband. Love your children. Be consistent. Be faithful. Be faithful to the local church. You know, I'm, I'm amazed. People want to be used by God, but then when the least little thing happens, they get offended and they're ready to leave the church. And I just want to encourage you, be faithful to your local church. Hang in there. Be faithful. Trust God to use you and say, Lord, help me to find the plan that you have for me. And within every, when God places you in a local church, he places you there to grow us up, teach us, strengthen us, help us, get us mature, and then use us for His kingdom. Use us for His kingdom. Whether it's at the House of Hope, or an Albania ministry, or it's out there greeting people in the front, or working in the coffee shop, or ministering to kids at the children's church, or up here preaching, or up here praying for people, or up on the worship team. Somehow, some way, God has a plan to use every person. And there's not one job that is more important or more holy than another. The people in our nursery, in our children's church, are just as holy and just as used by God as the people up here on the pulpit. That's the truth. It takes everybody doing their part, what they're called to do. And there are a lot of what I call behind-the-scenes people. And I'm blessed. I get to be up here. And I'm in front. Do you know when I was in high school and in college, I was afraid to speak in front of people. And one day, I was in speech class, and the teacher called on me. And I had been deathly afraid that I was going to have to get up in front of the whole class and speak. And I, teacher, come on, come on. And I stood up there, and I opened my mouth. I couldn't say anything. I was scared to death. And the teacher looked at me. And said, well, it's obvious you'll never be a speaker. 
Go sit down. And I went and sat down. That teacher was wrong. <laughs> but it took me a long time. It took me a long time. You see, but you got to live a life of obedience. Doing the simple everyday things that you've got to do. And then that prepares you for that day. The day is going to come. God is going to speak to you and show you. This is your place. This is what I want you to do. Now that leads you to the third thing. And that is God's plan requires receiving God's word. And then acting upon his word. So it's the life of obedience that prepares us to hear God's voice. But when you do hear his voice, God says, I want you to help out here. I want you to do this. I want you to pray for people. I want you to do this, whatever it is. And everybody's in a hurry to do what God wants them to do. But I just want to tell you, be patient, be faithful, be steadfast. Don't jump here and there and everywhere. Stay in church. Stay where God has you, where he has planted you, and see God's hand in your life. You know, one thing I've learned, we've planted a lot of trees. If you uproot a tree and replant it every few years, it never bears fruit. Am I right? So, get planted and stay planted. And don't unplant and decide you're going to replant because this happened or that happened. Hang in there. Hang in there. God is faithful. God wants to use every person. What's the most important plan for your life this morning? The most important plan for your life is that you know Jesus. You have a relationship with Jesus. That's the most important thing. And then if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, the most important thing is to go along with God's plan and let Him use you and let Him speak to you. And then when you finally receive and hear and understand what God wants you to do, do it. Begin to do it. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, Sovereign God, I thank you this morning that your Holy Spirit is here this morning. And you're speaking to some people in this congregation, in this building, about following your plan for their life. And Lord, I ask you, in the precious name of Jesus, that you would speak to hearts this morning. And Lord, there's some people here this morning, they've never been born again. They've never given their heart and their life to you. They don't know you. Maybe, Lord, they walked away from you. They got angry and bitter and they walked away from you, Lord. And 
I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would draw them back to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that you would draw them by your Holy Spirit and draw them into your presence, Lord, and have them renew and restore that relationship with you. Lord, there are people in this room that have never given their hearts and their life to you. Lord, I pray that this morning, this would be the morning, Lord, as heaven waits, as heaven holds its breath, that this morning they would surrender to you and make you Lord of their life. Surrender and claim the blood of Jesus as forgiveness of their sin and be born into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. Lord, I sense that there are people in this room that are struggling to know their purpose and their plan for their life. Lord, I ask you that you would reveal to them this morning your plan and your purpose for their life. As they learn to walk in obedience to you, that you would reveal your plan. Help us, Lord. We look to you, Lord. You're our hope and our strength. You're the faithful one. If you're here this morning, And as I've preached and as I've spoken, you know that you need to give your heart and your life to Jesus. You've never been born again, and this morning you would like to be born again. You know you need Jesus. If that's you this morning, and you you would be willing to say, yes, I I need Jesus. I'm just going to ask you to slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. Anybody in here? Yes. Thank you. Anybody else? You know you need Jesus. Anybody else? Yes. Thank you. Second question. People in here, you've been asking and seeking God, God, what is your plan for my life? And you need God to show you what his plan is for your life. Let me see your hand. Yes. Quite a few hands. Thank you, Lord. Remember, it takes heart of obedience. Yes. 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 So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, first of all, there several people raised their hand. They needed to be born again. They wanted to give their heart and their life to Jesus. And others raised their hand. They want to know God's will for their life. So... We're going to have a prayer for each of you. I'm going to ask everyone if you'll stand to your feet. And if you want to be born again, you want Jesus to come into your heart, I'm going to ask you to make your way down and stand right here in front of me. But if you want to pray this morning with me about seeking and finding God's will for your life, I'm going to ask you to come on down. Just come on down. You want to be born again, stand right here in front of me. Thank you, young man. Come on. Thank you, Lord. If you want to know God's will for your life and you'd be willing to pray corporately with me for God's will and plan for your purpose and and for God to reveal His plan and His purpose, we want to pray corporately for that. First, I want to pray for these here that want to give their heart and their life to Jesus. Anybody else? 
going to wait just a minute. A couple of people. How you doing, man? Thank you for coming. Praise God. Thank you all. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Praise God. Okay, first I'm going to pray uh, with these five people here to be born again. And then, I, and then we're going to have a corporate prayer. That this, you know, I believe God can speak to us. He can show us His plan for our life. Amen? So I'm going to ask these five if they would, and if there's anybody else you want to join me, you can pray with me, certainly. Let's just pray and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you and forgive you of your sin. And you know, here's the great thing. God says if you pray and you're sincere, He gives you a new heart. And we, we need a new heart. Our old heart's hard and stony, and God says He'll give you a new heart. Take out that old heart, give you a brand new heart, fill you with the Holy Spirit, make you a brand new person. Amen? What an amazing offer that God has for you. So, this first, if you all don't mind and anybody else wants to pray, let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, come into my heart, Lord. I acknowledge Jesus as the Lord of my life. I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. I claim the blood of Jesus as the forgiveness of my sin. Give me that new heart, Lord. Change me on the inside. I am born again by the Spirit of God. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and make me a brand new person. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And when we finish here in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to go with Brother Freddie. He wants to talk to you, give you a Bible and several things and explain some things about what's happened. Now, for the rest of you, I would like for us to pray. And, and you know, I believe when we pray and ask God, I believe God can speak to us. He can show us His plan for our life. I believe that. So, if you're believing with me, I believe God will answer that prayer. Amen? So just raise your hand. If you didn't make it down to the front and you want to agree with us in prayer, I believe God will answer this prayer. He hears our heart. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I seek your will and your plan for my life. I want to hear from you. And I ask you, Lord, to reveal to me your plan. What do you want me to do, Lord, to impact this world and your kingdom for your glory? I'm willing to be used, Lord. I'm willing to be obedient in the small things and whatever you have for me, Lord. Help me to understand what that is. In the name of Jesus, I believe you will speak to me. You will open up doors. And I will understand what your plan is for me. Thank you, Lord. I receive your word. You will speak to me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.